Hi everyone and welcome to the Parma podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show. Really great to have you all back with us again. And uh, and yeah, uh, uh, another episode, another new guest. Uh, another friend of mine who I've met on Twitter and got to know in different communities in the last few months. Um, and he's going to tell his story today. So welcome to the show, Jared. Thank you, James. Hello, everybody. My name is Jared. Um, I can be found on Twitter at Jared H, um, two R's, J-A-R-R-E-D-H. And I am a former evangelical Christian who is now a practicing witch and devotee of the goddess Freya. And um, I was very excited when James invited me to his show to talk about my story. Um, Always interesting because, you know, it's it's a several decade story now, so it's always fun to try to figure out what I'm going to talk about. So I'm going to start by saying that I grew up in a Baptist church, um, specifically part of the, my church was part of the American Baptist churches, um, as opposed to the more well-known Southern Baptist convention. Um, American Baptist churches overall tend to be a bit more liberal. Um that I did not feel was the case in my church. Um, they were not as strict or vocal as the SBC is, but you know they, they did tend to hold a lot of the same theology, which hmm. you know, was very interesting. Um, I, I think one of the interesting things to me is that you know unlike you know other people in the um, post-evangelical and deconstruction community, I didn't get some of the messaging as strongly. For example, you know, I never read, you know, the book I Kissed Dating Goodbye. You know, I didn't get lectures about, you know, how we're all, you know, having sex is like becoming a chewed up piece of gum or, you know, a dirty tissue or that. You know, I might have gotten, you know, heard one of those examples once in my entire time as a um, child or teenager. But, you know, I was not, I was not inundated as some people were. And, you know, there are people who really have some, you know, in my opinion, frightening stories out there. But at the same time, I know that I didn't need to get that message as hardcore as others to take away that message and internalize it. You know, um, one of the things I will note is that I am a gay man. And while I don't think our minister ever preached a sermon on homosexuality, I still clearly got the message that being okay, that being gay was not okay. So, you know, and I can't say specifically how I got that message. And, and in fairness, I don't think it came just from within my church. You know, I got that same message, you know, in the rest of the culture too. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, the, you know, the, the kids at school, you know, would talk about, you know, the gay guy down the street and, you know, and make jokes about him. And, you know, and it was very clear that, you know, you know, despite the fact that, you know, none of those kids, you know, necessarily went to church, they still had that same opinion about gay people, you know? So I, I did see that, you know, in the culture overall. So I got those messages. Mm, um, yeah. You know, one of the things that I also got was the message of, you know, not being good enough, you know, at one point, and again, this wasn't preached from the pulpit, I think this is actually a, um, 
Sunday school teacher and former mentor of mine who, you know, used to stress the idea that, you know, we had to repent. We had to repent to the point where I was concerned about having sin I hadn't repented of. You know, I'd be laying there in you know, bed, you know, praying, oh, God, please forgive me. I, I know I'm a sinner. You know, please forgive me. And then I'd get done praying and then I'd have a thought. And it's like, wait, was that thought sinful? Do I need to, you know, go back and pray and ask for forgiveness for that as well? And it, it did become a yeah. cycle. And it was a very painful yeah. cycle, um, you know, and it's one of those cases of, you know, at least the evangelicalism that I grew up in, you know, there's this idea that, oh, yeah, you know, Jesus saves you, you know, and Jesus, you know, forgives you and Jesus loves you, but only at his discretion. And, you know, there's this whole sense that you don't deserve it. You know, he does it just because he loves you, you know, but you don't necessarily deserve it. And that's a message that I took um, through my life. And I'll talk about, you know, how that affected me later on. Yeah. Um, and then as I continued on, you know, I became a teenager and, you know, suddenly started realizing I was not attracted to girls like I was quote unquote supposed to be. You know, I was attracted to other boys and, you know, that was very hard. And, you know, of course, I had gotten those messages, you know, about, you know, gay people and, oh, you know, they, you know, they're, they're sinful. And, you know, why would they choose such a dirty lifestyle? And it's like, you know, but I didn't choose to feel this way. You know, I just woke up, you know, my, my first indication was I woke up from a, um, sexual dream and you know realized oh my word i just had a dream about another boy and you know i i didn't mean this and you know i spent you know years trying to convince myself that you know oh it's just a phase and because that's something that i had heard you know that you know oh you know some boys just go to a phase go through a phase where they have these feelings about you know other boys and it doesn't necessarily mean they're gay and you know that may be true for some people turned out for me it was not a phase, and that was a reality I had to face when I was um, in college. And you know, it basically came down to that realization, okay, I got to quit trying to play that this is a phase. You know, about my late sophomore, early junior year in college. And it's like, okay, so now I need to try to, you know, change how I feel and actually deal with these feelings. And, you know, and of course, you know, this was back when, you know, all the, you know, theology was saying, yes, you need to change straight. You know, there was a point where they finally yeah. said, okay, maybe you don't have to change straight. You just have to remain celibacy, celibate for life, which I don't find a very appealing option either. But, you know, back then that wasn't even an option. It was you turn straight or you weren't a real Christian. You know, you, yeah, you get sin in your life. And I mean, so, I, I will just say actually that, that being celibate for life is a is a valid option for people who are asexual or on the asexual spectrum, or, or just choose that. But but it's um, but it's not. But in terms of um, being a you know being a uh, being gay, um, you know, it's it you know, you're everyone's entitled to be. Everyone's entitled to date who they wish, and that can be somebody yeah. of the same gender. It can be somebody of a different gender. It can be somebody, um, you know, it can be, you know, it can be nobody. It can be anybody, right? So, yeah, just, just in case there was confusion for people. Yes, I, I, I appreciate that, and I, I totally want to reaffirm what you said that you know, there are people, you know, particularly people who are asexual and or sex indifferent or even sex averse who for whom celibacy is, celibacy is absolutely the right choice for them um i'm not one of those people 
<laughs> and that's totally uh, fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and um, anyways, where was I going with that? But oh, I, I will throw in. I actually have a friend who, um, sadly, I've lost contact with over the past several years, who did make a personal choice for celibacy, and as far as I know. She identified and still identifies as straight, even. You know, she just, you know, she's attracted, you know, as far as I know, she's attracted to men, but, you know, for whatever reason, she just feels that it's not the right choice for her and that, you know, she's better off focusing her attention elsewhere rather than pursuing, you know, sexual or romantic relationships. And I do, I totally respect that because, you know, that's her personal choice and she doesn't try to inflict it on other people and acknowledges that it's a personal choice on her part. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, you know, I, I got, you know, into college and, you know, I, I read a particular book, you know, that just totally blew my mind. And um, I got into this pattern then where, you know, I, I, I would con I would confess my struggle because, you know, that's, you know, how ex-gays always talk about it. You know, their struggle, you know, their struggle with same-sex attraction and, you know, my you know, people I would confess it to would pray over me um, because at this time I also got involved in a um, what most most people would refer to as a um, Pentecostal church. Um, that church preferred the term full gospel, but you know essentially it was Pentecostal. You know they believed in you know speaking in tongues. They believed in other sign gifts and miraculous signs of the, of God. So, um, but yeah, you know, so they'd pray over me, and you know, and I'd be like, "Right, that's great." And then a couple of days later, those feelings would come back stronger than ever. And, you know, and, and it, it became, you know, it became that cycle of, you know, you know, feeling guilty, asking for prayer, getting prayer, feeling supercharged and ready to take on the world and, you know, and set all of that behind me to suddenly, nope, it's still there. You know, it's, it's still something I'm struggling with. And, um, one of the things that I found about, which I've you know, written about before, which I wanted to talk about, is that at some point you really realize that that struggle is a lonely struggle, um, you know, and um, it's it's one of those cases where, you know, yes, and, you know, you'll have those, you know, supportive friends of them like, oh, yeah, we're there with you. We're there for you and everything. But they can't be there 24-7. And it's not reasonable to, to expect them to be there 24-7. And at some point, especially if those friends are, you know, people who, you know, are capable of, you know, the kind of romantic relationships that are deemed acceptable, they go off to their relationships. And um, that was one of the things, and that was one of the huge aspects of a big turning point of, for me, you know, where I, you know, decided, you know, one weekend that I had a choice I could, if I, if I was going to survive, I had to come out. If I didn't come out, I wasn't going to survive. And, and part of the reason that precipitated that was because all of my friends were gone that weekend. And most of them were gone, um, you know, visiting their opposite sex, significant other, or love interest. They might not have been dating the person at the time, but, you know, there was a definite interest there, and they were spending time with that person, you know, and there I was, alone and miserable and thinking terrible thoughts and, 
you know, having terrible ideas. And, you know, that's when I realized um, I woke up the next morning and realized, you know, um, some of the thoughts that I was having and going, I can't go on like this. You know, I can't go on like this. I will not survive. So I came out to my one friend um, who was a lesbian and said, okay, I need to tell you something. And I always find this funny because I came out to her on April 1st, 1996 and i find this hysterically funny because i felt obligated to start the conversation with please keep in mind this is not an april fool's day joke um you know and and i I, and and i always joke that it's like you know maybe i could have picked a better day to come out (laughs) 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 it's it's what was necessary it's it's what i had to do it was my window of opportunity and it's a window i had to take right then and there so and i'm kind of glad and i I kind of like that i'm able to make that joke now you know so it all worked out in the end um and for the next roughly two years i tried to make a go of it as still being evangelical and being christian And, you know, being, you know, gay and being openly gay, well, as openly as I could going back to a Baptist church that, you know, clearly thought that, you know, being gay was not a good thing, you know, so it was, you know, okay, I believe this, but I'm going to be super quiet about it and, you know, not make, you know, waves or get myself in trouble. And um, things continued from there. And um, I ended up having my first relationship, which um, was, to be honest with you, a complete mess. And, um, and some of that was my fault. Um, I, I do feel obligated to say that because of where I was, and that's not to excuse what I'm about to say, that's just, you know, a statement of fact. Um, I did some things to hurt both the guy I was dating and one of my closest friends at the time. And... Um, you know, and I, I'm not going to go into details other than to say I did things that were wrong and that were harmful. And I was, and that is something that, you know, to this day, and I probably always will, I will deeply regret. Um, you know, and, and, and I want to make that clear. I mean, especially as I continue this story, because, you know, you know, this, you know, what I, what I say next is, I wouldn't say it's a redemption arc, but, you know, I, I grew from those mistakes. But I, I don't want to turn this into okay. I did a terrible thing, but it's okay because I, you know, grew from it. Yeah. You know, because yeah. that's not yeah. my position at all, and I want that to be clear. And um, and um, if by any miraculous chance either of those people are listening to this, all I can say is, I acknowledge if you're hearing this that I am still the villain in your version of this story, and that is perfectly valid and perfectly acceptable. And I wish you both the best. Um, but anyways, this really got me back into that whole, you know, idea of, you know, oh, I'm a terrible person, you know, because I, I never fully got out of that. You know, it's it, it's it's like, you know, I, I got to that point, you know, where I came out where it's like, OK, it's OK that I'm gay. But, you know, there's still all this other sin stuff and, you know, whatnot that, you know, I, I should feel bad about and, you know, and, you know, feel like, you know, I need to be rescued and everything. And at this point, I realized I needed a change. Um, 
And again, I want to say I know several people who are still within Christianity and make that religion look absolutely beautiful. Um, it was just not the home for me. Um, for my own personal needs, I needed a clean break. And I just want to be clear on that. And while also acknowledging that that is not what everybody needs, because I think that's important that, you know, the answers in people's lives can be different. And I think that's a good thing. And I think that's a necessary thing. Um, but for me, I needed a total break. Um, fortunately, that break um, presented itself pretty easily to me. Um, one thing that I didn't mention is, is that when I came out, there was another group of friends, because I had my one group of friends at college who were mostly, um, you know, Christians. And, you know, they were, you know, you know, they were mostly made through and, you know, those friendships were maintained through um, common activity through groups like InterVarsity Christian Fellowship or the, um, or the um, volunteer group that did um, clown and puppet ministry, you know, um, to various um, churches because the school I went to was loosely um, Lutheran affiliated. So, and was supported by various Lutheran churches. So this clown ministry formed to, you know, basically go to various churches, you know, within the um, ELCA, um, Evangelical Lutheran Churches of America, to um, present them, you know, to do, you know, a, you know, clown ministry program at their church as a way of thanking them for supporting the university and being so supportive. There was so there was that group. Then there was another group of friends that I became closer to after I came out with that was mostly surrounded the organization that was basically a um, student run um, computer help or you know service. You know, um, it was called the computer consultants, yeah. and people would you know call a special number and you know and say, "Hey, I need help with my computer, or I'm having this problem. Can you help me out?" And you know, and someone from the group would. Um, come out and help out. Um, largely, the people that were involved in that group were either atheist or um, pagan of some sort, you know, druid or Wiccan or something similar. Um, in fact, I can think of only one person who, in the entire group, his name was Eric, and um, he, he, was, he was a great fellow too, um, who was actually Christian in the entire group. The only person I can think of in the entire group that, you know, was Christian. But, you know, I turned to these people and, you know, they became my support after I came out. You know, they were the people that, you know, the group that I latched onto more and, you know, ended up spending more time with. And, you know, and even after I graduated, because I came out my senior year in college, you know, in fact, the last semester of my senior year in college, you know, they were even the group that, you know, I'd keep going back to, you know, go back to campus to visit, you know, once or twice a month just because, you know, otherwise I was all alone except what I could, you know, whatever connections I could find online. And um, back in the mid to late 90s, those connections were harder to find. <laughs> um, one of the things I love is, is that, you know, making connections with other people going through a um, similar, you know, faith journey or deconstruction journey or deconversion journey is much easier now. You know, there are, you know, communities that are very visible that you can go to. But anyways, um, that felt kind of like a tangent. But anyways, so while I was going through this and, you know, 
the fall of 98, you know, trying to figure out, okay, I, I need a change of some sort. I actually asked one of my friends. Um, she was not actually part of the um, computer consultant. She was an online friend from Georgia um, who also happened to be Wiccan. And I asked her, it's like, okay, recommend a book to me where I can learn about your religion. And um, she did. Um, and, you know, and I picked it up and I read it. And I'm not sure I was really planning on converting at the time. I was still in that stage of, I need to make changes. But that particular book really spoke to me. I mean, it was just like, you know, reading this, it's like, oh my word, this is, this is a whole different way of viewing the world. And it's one that I need and a way of viewing myself. Um, mm. And, um, and, um, one of the things that I will say is, um, and I actually mentioned this online, a, one of our friends on Twitter one time asked, you know, if you were to write your um, autobiography about your deconstruction, what would the title be? Yeah. And um, I jokingly said that my title would be, Jesus love, loved me, but Freya taught me how to love myself. And mm. I, I stand by that. And, um, and while I didn't formally get introduced to Freya until year, a few years after this, that book was my first introduction to the idea that, you know, you actually can love you yourself, you know, and you are inherently lovable. You know, it went from this idea, like I said, you know, I always felt in Christianity it was, you know, you know, God and Jesus loved you because they chose to love you. This idea that, no, you're you're actually inherently lovable, and it would be you know um, to, to to put it you know frankly, it would be you know unthinkable for a loving deity not to love you just because you know you are lovable. You know, it would be like, why would I not love you? you know, it's it's unthinkable. It's 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 not a choice. It's you're lovable, so of course I love you. Um, so to me, that was quite a change, and. Um, I did a bunch of searching and, um, you know, took a while to find my way. Um, I, I eventually decided Wicca wasn't quite right for me. At least eclectic, um, non-initiatory Wicca wasn't quite right for me. So I, um, studied, um, Druid with the organization, um, a Druid fellowship, which sadly shares the same initials with another ADF, which I do not like, <laughs> um, you know, the, um, Christian legal group the conservative Christian legal group that uses those same initials. Um, and then, you know, um, going through that is when a friend finally looked, pe looked me and said, you know, I've listened to you talk about the runes and your eyes light up when you're talking about the runes. And he's like, it's clear to me that, that, you know, Druidry is not the path for you. You, you, you need to, you know, explore, you know, the Norse pantheon and you need to explore, you know, you know, religion and magic in a Norse context. So that's eventually how I ended up meeting Freya and um, following her. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's been a wild ride. It's, um, that's basically my story in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's really interesting, that journey that you went on. It seems all the stories that I've heard, and you know, I've heard a lot of people on this show now. It, it seems that as people let go of the constraints of toxic religion, that 
um, they actually discover themselves and learn to love themselves. Because toxic religion seems, the more I hear about how it's affected people, it teach. I mean, I, I've had an experience of, of it myself. Um, it, when it teaches you that yeah. you are not lovable, that you are that you are not good enough, that you need somebody else to validate you, that you need approval from God <laughs> to validate you, that you need to receive God's love and not, um, and that you are not lovable just as you are, even with your imperfections, even with the mistakes you make, even with the things that you maybe you don't like about yourself. You are, um, yes. You know that, and, um, and so many people that I talk to, and, my, and again, it's my own experience too. That it, it's like part of coming out of that is learning actually to really to love yourself, and that it's okay to love yourself. Um, yeah. You know, wherever people end up in their in their journey, whether whether it's where you ended up, or whether it's where other people ended up, or where I ended up. Um. It's the same principle seems to apply that we have to learn to love ourselves and like, you know, and that it's, which is kind of terrifying when you think about like what Jesus is meant to be about, which I was always brought up to believe, was that Jesus was about compassion and justice and inclusion and um, being accepted as we are, and yet the religion that was formed in His name doesn't do that. <laughs> Um, yeah. um, and or parts certainly the most toxic parts of it don't, um, and uh, and yeah, and and then as you free yourself from the constraints and restrictions that it puts around you, you end up discovering who you've been all along, and that it's not maybe who you were told that you were, right? Yeah, um, yeah, and huh. and that's one of the things that I specifically you know like about you know Freya, and I think other people find this through other sources is, is you know. The fact that, you know, one of the things Freya is totally about is being unapologetically yourself. Um, in fact, some of her myths kind of reflect that, that, you know, she is unapologetically herself. You know, to, to, to the point where, you know, the other gods of the Norse pantheon, you know, sometimes try to get her to do things. And she's like, no, that's not happening. That is just plain not happening. That's not who I am. And you're just going to have to deal with that and yeah, absolutely. Um, um, and what's it been like getting to know yourself? It's been interesting. It's um, it's been surprising at times. Um, you know, it's it's one of those cases of you know not realizing certain things about myself and go, oh wow, that's interesting. Um, some of it, some of it too has been you know taking some hard looks. You know, it's not always you know the pleasant. Oh, you know, I'm just great. It's you know, oh yeah, I guess I kind of screwed up there. But I, I think the difference there even is that you know, screw ups are not you know life and death. You know, they're they're not you know your the fate of your eternal soul is not you know, resting on, you know, never screwing up. It's, you know, okay, you made a mistake. Now it's time to do your best to clean up that mess as best as you can and, you know, move on and learn from it. And if you can't clean up things perfectly, you know, you also have to learn to accept that. Yeah, and that's discomforting and, you know, that's not <laughs> easy. Um, but it's But it's more transformative 
um, and compassionate than not acknowledging it and continuing to do it. <laughs> or even worse, knowing what you've done and continuing to do it, which is, um, you know, um, to, you know, but um, but making mistakes is human. Um, yeah. It's just it's you know if we learn from them, if we make amends, if we if we you know um, grow from it, that's that's a compassionate response, I think, to it to our compassionate to ourselves and compassionate to others. Um, it doesn't yeah, make it okay. okay. It doesn't make what we did okay. It never excuses yeah. it. It doesn't, like you right. say, that kind of white man redemption arc thing. Um, <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't. I don't. I don't like that. Um, right. It never makes it okay, but um, it doesn't mean that we aren't living in shame for the rest of our lives. Right. Um, and it means that we might not do. Might not hurt anybody else, which you know doesn't change what we did but it does mean that nobody else will be harmed exactly um, yeah and and that's the thing i'm 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 all in favor of you know in fact i would say that that's you know probably my um and that's my understanding of you know justice you know justice is so important to me you know justice is primarily about harm reduction you know and um honoring the um dignity and what i consider the um sacredness of all people and all things you know and, um, you know, and, and again, you know, sometimes we screw up and, you know, we do cause harm, but, you know, we can realize that and stop, fix whatever we can and don't do it again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And what's the, th what's the biggest lesson that you've learned on your journey? The, what's the biggest thing that you've learned? Hmm. Right now, because it's something that I've been talking about a lot, is um, I, I think my understanding of what it means to say something is something or someone is sacred. And, um, you know, I, I think you might have seen this you know, because I've talked about it quite a bit on Twitter. But, you know, I'll, I'll say it for your listeners that, you know, to me, to call something or someone sacred is to say that that thing or that person has inherent value. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm very, it may be one of the few things I'm dogmatic about is, is that I do believe that, that, you know, everyone and everything has inherent value. And that's not value that is bestowed upon them by anyone or anything, you know. Um, you know, to me, sacredness is not something that you get from God or the divine. It's something that, you know, you possess simply because you exist. And um, that yeah. really in my mind changes how I look at everything, you know, it's, you know, what, what, what does it mean to really treat something as having inherent value and honoring that inherent value, you know, and, you know, treating everyone as though they have inherent value. And, um, I think that to me, that's the biggest lesson is, is unpacking that idea and just really, you know, figuring out, you know, deeper ways to apply it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's always felt so obvious to me that you know everyone has inherent value, and that value is not um, a reward or it is not earned, it is right, it is a given, <laughs> right? Um, it's just there, 
um, we all have it. And when you boil it down, it's much, it's so simple, isn't it? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's, the, I think that's the, um, true of most, you know, um, what I would call, you know, generally call spiritual truths are, you know, others might call them something else. You know, this idea that, you know, really when you look at them, they're really quite simple. But, you know, unpacking and understanding the ramifications and the implications can take a long time. And, you know, can really open things up. I mean... Yeah, that's right. It's... It's a challenge, really, <laughs> because it means it, because it means we should be pursuing justice where, wherever we find, wherever we wherever we can, and resisting injustice wherever we can, and resisting oppressive systems, um, and they're all around us. <laughs> and, and, and that that's part of the process too. Is is you know, understanding the various ways in which various systems are oppressive and unjust. I mean, you know that. That in itself takes, you know, time to learn and understand because, you know, there, there are things, and, you know, I've, I recently have talked about this, you know, there are things that, you know, I never thought about because I've never been obliged to think about them. You know, um, a prime example would be, you know, you know, just how, you know, intrinsic and how subtle various racial injustices, for example, can be. You know, and if they don't directly impact you, it's very easy to not notice them. Yeah. So, you know, that that to me is another part of that quest of, you know, becoming more aware. You know, I one thing that um, I don't think my profile says anymore, but one thing that was in my profile at one time was, you know, you know, that I said that I was, you know, constantly learning how to be more progressive, you know, you know, which to me, you know, that has a lot to do with, you know, addressing these, you know, injustice issues it's like okay i say i'm progressive but you know what does that really mean and what it means you know is constantly expanding to me because i'm constantly learning more and having to incorporate you know that new understanding into my views and my viewpoint and mm. yeah it's constantly learning and constantly learning and expanding and unlearning it's yes kind of this cycle you know you just keep yeah. on like I never realized how profound it was that I used to say to myself, even like this is 15 years ago, I used to say to myself, I never want to stop growing. I never want, it was almost like a mantra I used to repeat to myself every yeah. so often. I never want to stop growing. Like, I had no idea where that was going to take me. <laughs> it was something that was in my brain a lot. And I was like, I don't ever want to stop growing. I don't want to stop at all. I want to keep going. Like, yeah. I, was almost, I was almost afraid of stopping. I, I didn't want to get trapped again. <laughs> um, and here I am, right? <laughs> um, and that's, I, think, but I think that's a good way to look at things. Like, don't ever be satisfied. Just keep looking to grow and learn and unlearn and expand yeah. and, like, um, evolve and, and, you know, all of that. And it's, it's an adventure and it's challenging and it's discomforting and it's not easy. And it's not. Well, and this is where I, you know, I, it, I like the analogy from you know biology that that um 
if you stop growing, you know, you die. You know, there, there, and, and from a biological perspective, you know, there, there is no stagnation. You know, stagnation is the end. You know, that's true. So, that's and I tend true. to like that. I, I, I tend to like that analogy. Now, I, I do think you know you have to be you know because, of course, you know I'm a Gemini, so I always see multiple points of view. You know, I, I should say that up front. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, you know, which, which, which is kind of fun because you know then it's like okay, you know, I say this, but have I considered this? And that that's where I am too. Is is that you know, I, I think you have to take a certain amount of care because you know, you 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 can start to feel driven by that, and I, I don't think that you know feeling driven is a good place to be either. You know, I, I think growth is good and, you know, it's, it's great to constantly want to grow, but you know, I, you know, it, it can come to a point where it, you know, feels like you're being driven and um, that can have negative impacts, I think. So I, I think there has to be a good balance there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great metaphor. I love that. Absolutely love that. Yeah. Hmm. Something to think on. Um, um, well, thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing your story and for sharing so much with us. Um, yeah. Um, just remind everyone where people can find you on Twitter. Okay. Yes. Um, on Twitter, I, um, my, my at handle is at J A R R E D H. That's just my first name and my last initial. Um, also okay if I, you know, promote my, um, admittedly, admittedly, um, not very active YouTube channel right now. Um, I have a YouTube channel called a weird workers wisdom, weird is spelled W Y R D. And for those who are curious, um, a weird worker in the Norse tradition is basically another name for which, um, that's why I chose it because it was a, it was a way to identify my brand and yet make it unique, you know, to say, okay, nice. you know, rather than, you know, because, you know, there are a lot of witch YouTube channels out there. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm sure there are, yeah. you know, and it's just like, okay, you know, how, how, how am I going to, you know, you know, give myself some sense of uniqueness. Um, and also I think that I'm unique because I do slightly different content than a lot of the other channels. I'm not, I'm not so much a how-to channel as a let's explore these ideas channel, um, which there are a few of those out there too. But, um, but yes, um, A Weird Worker's Wisdom. Um, hopefully I'm going to get back into releasing new videos. I'm hoping this week. Um, I've been a bit on an extended vacation right now, but I'm hoping to end that vacation and get back into it. Fantastic. Fantastic. Great. Check that out, people. Um, and just before you go, what is one lesson from your journey that you would that you would pass on to other people who are maybe on a similar journey? Learn to trust yourself. Mm, love that. Uh, That's profound. Yeah. I, I, I will say that I, I do a lot of mentoring, particularly, you know, with younger witches and pagans. And it's, it's the one thing I, I see so many of them struggle with, you know, this, you know, oh, am I doing things right? Am I, you know, you know, is, you know, is this okay? And, you know, that's usually what I tell them. It's like, if it works for you, it works. Learn to trust yourself. Learn to trust 
that you can figure out what works for you and do it. And I think that's, and I think that's um, good advice in any spiritual journey or any journey whatsoever is, is, you know, learning to trust yourself and, you know, um, rather than relying too heavily on other authorities is a very beneficial thing. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for coming on today, Jared. Thank Uh, you for having me. Yeah. um, My pleasure. And, uh, and thanks for listening, everybody.